Almighty God, we know that there is so much going on in this world that we are not aware of, and we are so thankful that we we can trust in your guidance, in your protection, in your provision. We're thankful right now that we can come and hear your word. We pray that your spirit would speak to us and would help us to see to see this world, our lives, our own selves from your perspective and that we could learn to grow in you and that this knowledge would not just be head knowledge but that we would be changed and transformed and that our faith would not be dead but would yield fruits to your honor and glory. We ask for your effective working in our hearts this afternoon. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For meditation this afternoon, uh, I feel led to uh, turn to the book of Ephesians, the epistle of Paul to Ephesus, chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now let's begin reading with verse 10, Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take on to you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am the ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, that, but that ye also may know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord shall make known to you all things whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know our affairs and that he might comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. This passage comes at the end of the book of Ephesus, and right after he speaks to some very practical 
areas of our life, areas of relationships. Speaking of first personal holiness in the beginning of chapter 5 and then the relationship of husband and wife and how that mirrors the relationship between Christ and the church and children and employees and employers, all these practical relations. He goes from that and he goes into this, what might for us in today's culture seem to be a sharp right turn. And he speaks about spiritual warfare. That for those people who might come to the Word of God as some sort of a self-help book, a great manual, uh, owner's manual that helps us know how to live in ways that are, you know, uh, tend towards peace and joy and, and stability. And instead of being in this environment where it's up to us to live according to good principles and, you know, reap what we sow, he speaks about a whole other dimension, which I think is often ignored at our own peril in today's culture. We know in other places in the world, spiritual warfare is very real. I've heard firsthand from our brothers in Ghana on more than one occasion of how, how overt, how extremely black and white the battle lines between the devil and his minions and God is in places like that that they're able to go to their local shrine, their fetish, and they do their incantation with its uh, sacrifice. And if they curse someone, that person will die. They can go to the hospital. The doctor won't find what's wrong with them, and they will die. But it doesn't work on Christians. That it's that black and white, that there is a power that Satan can have over any non-Christian that their life can easily be forfeit. And many other stories which are, are fascinating. But we think here in North America, somehow we relegate these stories of Satan, demons, devils, uh, of, of spiritual warfare, some sort of... Uh, Maybe it was true in the Bible times, but it's kind of with our modern sophistication and focus on science and things we can see and understand and measure and repeatedly test, we think that because the supernatural may not fit in what we can see clearly, therefore it doesn't exist, and that we uh, don't pay attention to well, God, but even more so, often there's, there's far, there's, if you ask uh, in a survey, I, I've seen results where people ask if they believe in God, we know there's a fair number of atheists uh, more vocal than you would think, and so a majority of people do believe in God. But if you ask if they believe in the devil, you will get a vast, I don't know, 90% majority that do not believe in the existence of, of a power of evil. And certainly, 
they don't exist in a place called hell. They don't believe in a place called hell. Uh, it sounds like a lot of wishful thinking. But here, as we study the word of God, it makes plain that there is another dimension, that spiritual warfare is happening. It's happening around us. It's happening in our lives. It's happening in the lives of those we care about in that it's something that we are not just ignorant bystanders, but that God is expecting us to be actively involved in. He tells us, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So there is a warfare, but you're not going to be able to fight this battle on your strength. You've got to be strong in the Lord. You've got to use power, but not the power of your intellect, not the power of your memory and knowledge, not the power of your own whatever spiritual strength and willpower you can muster, but you need to be, use the power of his might. I remember in my conversion coming to that point of realizing, you know, I cannot outsmart the devil. He can beat me in chess anytime. He is so wise, he is so wily, I should say. In fact, that's the next verse we read here, that we need to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He is so sneaky, I don't stand a chance. And yet, in my young hubris and, 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 and arrogance, you know, I thought you know, I could maybe stand on my own and try to get some sort of benefit you know, and, and carve my own path in this world, but the scripture makes it plain that there's no such thing, that if we're not under the protection and in the power of his might and, and standing with him, we are going to be toyed with by someone who delights in our pain. Now, sometimes God does introduce pain in our lives, just as a loving father introduces pain in the lives of his children because he wants to, them to avoid greater pain. I, your child's going to run on the street. You give him a spank, so he gets a little pain and realizes that he can avoid the greater pain of being face-to-face with a Mack truck. But he, Satan uses pain in a different way. In Satan, there's no constructive for our benefit or profit, as Hebrews 12 says. It's for his pleasure because he knows he can make God squirm, because he knows he can hurt God by introducing pain in our lives. And so if you are not under God's protection, you are subject to the wiles of the devil who delights in taking you apart in the most painful way possible. If you are a Christian, but you are not being strong in the Lord, and you're not putting on the whole armor of God, you also need to take heed. Because our enemy is real, and he would love to see you fall. It speaks clearly in this verse, in this chapter here, the verse number 12. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Very important for us to understand that because most of the time we think our problems are because of people. We think we're wrestling against political powers, maybe even within the church, as sad as that may be, or, you know, at work or within the family, or there's this wrestling against flesh and blood, and, and, and Paul is saying, you got it all wrong. You're missing the picture. It's not about the people. We don't wrestle. People are not our enemies. Even those who, who may be pawns of the devil, yet can be redeemed, can be rescued. They are captives. When Jesus said he came to set the captives free, as we studied last Sunday, when he said he came to preach deliverance, it's because those very people that Satan might be using to bring torment into your life, they're not the problem. It's the puppet master. They're the captives who need to be set free. We need to get that perspective. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, I don't claim to understand the hierarchy of all angels, much less the hierarchy of demons. I don't claim to understand how he operates and, and what levers he uses in, in, in the difference between a principality and a power and a ruler. And maybe I don't need to understand that. The Bible says that we should be simple concerning evil and wise concerning good. But I do need to understand that there is stuff going on that I don't see. And there is a powerful intelligence that's at work that is my enemy. That's a very real thing I need to take into account. Because the Bible says I need to be vigilant. I need to be on guard. Because he is seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking to destroy me. He hates me. And if I don't pay attention and think because I don't see him, he's not there, and think that it's up to me to organize my life and try to plan my future and and use my intelligence, and I don't take into account the spiritual dimension, I am subject to the wiles of the devil. The Bible says, you know, uh, speaking of the end times in Thessalonians 2, that because they didn't love the truth, they uh, were given over to deception. And it's this truth, a singular truth, unlike the world's relative truth, this singular truth, the one vision of reality which God alone has the single clear perception of, that's the truth I need to be operating in the framework of. And so that's why the very first thing here is we need to take on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand in the evil day, telling us that we're going to be attacked. We are going to be subject of an attack of a spiritual nature. And it's going to take not only some effort, we need to have done all to stand. 
This is going to take everything we've got to take a stand against these things. Yes, yes, it is the power of the Lord. It's in his, the power of his might, and we need to be strong in him. But the scripture isn't saying, okay, once you name the blood of Jesus Christ, you've got this invisible bubble that's around you, and Satan can't touch you. That's not what the scripture is saying. It's not some sort of name it, claim it, a path to easy street, right? There is a battle, and, and I think sometimes we as Christians or even non-Christians think of this world as a playground before heaven, but the scripture is clear, it's a battleground before heaven. And in this battle, much is at stake. Your soul is at stake. The souls of those around you are at stake. And you, your decisions actually matter in your eternity and the eternity of many of those that you can influence. And that's why we cannot dare to coast as believers because this battle, there is too much at stake. You're not, while you are idle, your enemy is not. And you become subject, as we said, to deception, which is why the very first foundation of the whole armor of God, of which we need every part, is to have our loins, the the innermost layer, to be girt about with truth, that truth needs to be the thing closest to our skin. That there can't be anything between us and truth. We can't be fooling ourselves about something. We can't have blind spots in our spiritual vision as would be ignoring the fact that we have a spiritual enemy or ignoring uh, there's many things that Satan may want to use and there may be a different thing for each one of you that he'd like you to be blind to so that he can come in on that angle, that you ignore this part of God's reality because you've got your own truth. We need... The the thing about truth against your vulnerable inner part is that that truth can expose things. That truth exposes things in my heart and my motives of which I am ashamed, in which why, you know, Jesus speaks of people running from the light because it's exposing. But which is why in order to apply that first foundational layer of your spiritual protection, you need humility. You need humility to accept God's view of you, your unrighteousness, your need for his holiness, your need to acknowledge your, uh, what you have done wrong according to his standard as opposed to our own. And when we do acknowledge his truth and when we do trust in him, then we can have not only this vulnerable, soft layer of truth, but we can put on a breastplate of righteousness, a righteousness that is forged by God our Lord Jesus Christ, and is enabled by his grace to be present in our lives.
It's not just that we can hide behind this little cutout of Jesus and God sees Jesus when he sees us. There is a dimension to this in which we need to allow him to produce righteousness in our lives. And when there is weaknesses in that, those are weaknesses in a breastplate which our enemy can take advantage of. Our enemy takes shots at us. We're going to read later on where he's shooting fiery darts. The darts don't only penetrate. They don't only impact with their sharp edge and cause damage. But if they are left there, that spreads. There's a fire to it that, that grows. The impact, the damage grows the, 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 um, if we don't deal with it as quickly as possible. Our feet, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The armies of Rome were, had this invention of boots. Maybe they, they, they were able to go over terrain because they were ready for that. And that enabled some mobility. But what the Lord wants us to be beautiful feet is that we are enabled to go over whatever terrain is necessary to give people the word of God and the truth, that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation. We are not ashamed, and we are willing to take it. The shield of faith of trusting God. Because we see when Satan attacked right there in the garden, what was the first blow? What was the attack? Is you can't trust God. He's holding out on you. He didn't tell you that you're going to become like gods. He's, he, he didn't tell you that you're going to be able to know all these interesting things. You know, you, you can't trust God. And that's the fiery dart that impacted Eve and spread and poisoned us to this day. And we need the shield of faith. We need to be able to block all of his attacks on our trust in God. God's not going to protect you. You can't really trust him to take care of you in this situation. You better take control. You can't trust him to find a helpmeet for you. What if he gives you some old hag or some guy who's going to be a loaf on the couch? Who knows? You better get in control of that situation. You can't trust him to provide for your financial needs. He's a spiritual God. He doesn't take care of money. That's not important to him. You can't trust him to take care of your, 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 you know, he goes on with his attacks on the things that matter to you. And if you don't have the shield of faith, if you don't have a perfect trust in the character of God, even though you may not see it because you're under the barrage and God may not be visible to you, but you need to believe in who he is so that no matter what the temptations and what the fiery darts are that are coming at you, you're able to deflect them by the character of God that you have trust in. That's that shield. We need to pray. Oh, before that, 
and verse 17, it tells us of the helmet of salvation, the thing that protects your head, which is kind of a vital part of your body. If you don't live very long without it, it protects your mind, your brain. And, and I just want to speak one moment to my dear unconverted. Don't think you can outsmart God. Don't think you can play this game and somehow get some advantage by being outside the protection of God or you might see it as outside of his, his authority and direction so you can live your own life and you can outsmart the devil and somehow get away with it. The Bible says you can't take burning coals into your bosom and not get burned. You cannot be in the devil's domain, which you are if you haven't found the protection of God. If you're not under his protection, you are vulnerable. Your head has no helmet. You've got these arrows coming at you. You've got no protection for the most important part of your body. And those lies, and he's the father of lies. He's good at it. He invented the art of lying. And when he speaks lies, he's speaking his language, and he speaks it fluently. And you might think you're smart, but you're not going to catch them all. And he's going to get you in his net. And your head is the one that's going to suffer. You need that helmet. And I plead with you, don't take chances. You have an enemy that hates you. You need protection. the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is true. The Word of God's light, as we saw in a dark place. And the Spirit of God helps us understand this Word. You can't just take a Bible and wave it around to get rid of the bad spirits in the house. Maybe... Catholic movies might tell you that. You can sprinkle some holy water or you can go through some sort of rite or ritual and that these objects can do things. But this is a spiritual war and you don't fight spiritual war with physical talismans. Oh, Satan might be able to inhabit certain things and he might have domain over certain objects as I was hearing some missionaries share their experiences. Yes, but... but you have a living Spirit of God. And that living Spirit of God, not your own brain power, helps you understand the living Word of God and helps you not get fooled by the attacks of our enemy. And that living Spirit is greater than he that is in the world. And so having that Spirit, you are safe. We need to pray. We need to realize that we are depending on God in a very serious battle. 
And it's not just about us doing the right things. It's not just about us thinking the right things. It's not just about us believing the right things. If we aren't in a relationship of active dependence on God, which is illustrated by praying and crying out to him, how do we expect God's power to flow through us? How do we expect to stand against the attack that we are going to go through? How dare we be so arrogant to think that we can, we can just live our lives and we've got it under control because we stay in our comfort zones and we don't tackle things that are outside of what we can handle and we've done this before so we can do it again and we fool ourselves into thinking we can do this on our own strength. This passage makes clear we need God's strength every day. And we need to depend on him. And we need to express that as we pray for each other, as we say in supplications, and for ourselves. And we need to watch. We need to be vigilant in prayer. And that we are able to persevere. And we supplicate. We have supplication, we say, in the spirit, God-directed, and for all saints. Even as he is praying for himself, as he is on the forefront of a spiritual battle proclaiming the truth. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for those who have responsibility. We need to pray that the word of God is clearly preached in this time of confusion. There is so much here that we need to take seriously. Please, open your eyes. Even as Elijah prayed for his servant, when he was surrounded in the city of Dotham and and the Syrian army was all around because they heard that there's this man, Elijah, that knows what you're saying in your bedchamber because he's God's prophet. And they thought, okay, we'll solve this problem. We'll send our whole army against this one little unwalled city and we'll take him out. And the servant wakes up in the morning. He sees this huge army, chariots and everything. No protecting army. He thinks it's all over. But Elijah prayed. He said, open the eyes of my servant. And he saw the flaming chariots of God's power that were vastly outnumbering. Yes, we have a real enemy. But we have a greater power The Lord Jesus has defeated the enemy on the cross. The the power of God is greater. Let us open our eyes to these spiritual realities and let us wage war effectively even as God's living word has prescribed for us.
brother, please lead us in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for your teaching one more time today. We have needed that so much. And thank you for your salvation and grace. Thank you for giving new life for many of us. But we realize that this is not the end yet, and there is a battle going on. And if we look back, we see that when we didn't take on all the armor, that we failed. And please forgive us when we failed. It was always because we didn't look at you. We didn't put on the shield of faith or we didn't put on the breastplate of righteousness or we didn't pray or a mix of that. Oh, help us to always be on guard knowing that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood but against unseen powers and dominions and we are not strong enough alone but only with you and we depend on you. Oh, help us to look up to you and to start every day with your word and with prayer. Help us to walk with you and help us to overcome every day and live a victorious life in which there is peace and there is joy even if the battle is still going on. But when we have victory, even the battle is still on, we can have joy and we can have peace. And we ask for that for all of us. Oh, strengthen us, the believers, one by one and together to help us to pray for each other every day for we also have to strengthen each other with words and with prayers in our quietness back in our homes help us to live a life that radiates your righteousness and your the joy and peace that comes from you so that others around us could see that and come and seek the same. We pray for our friends who are not, who haven't received your grace yet. Give, give them faith. Show them that that's the only way to, to have eternal life. Help them to seek you with their whole heart 
and to find you and overcome everything that needs to be overcome. We pray for all who are sick, who can't be here today. Heal them. Strengthen them. Feed their spirit at their homes or in the hospitals or wherever they are. Help those who are old and feeble. Please, please keep all those who are your children until the very last day and help us to reach our goal in heaven by grace in Jesus Christ we ask. Amen. I pray that the Lord's word would be clear and that we could open our eyes to the very real nature of the supernatural and that it's not always benign, it's not always in our favor, that we have someone who is looking for us to stumble and take advantage of that. And I pray, and this is heavy on my heart because I'm realizing that we in North America may have been sheltered in times past, but I am hearing more and more of cases even within our church where Satan is having a very visible, overt influence. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised. I go into the bookstore, I go into the library, and all the children's books are about occultish things. That maybe there is a fascination with the occult that has invited our enemy into this culture and made this, instead of a, a warfare of him just playing with our minds in the intellect or appealing to our flesh, to become a much more gritty hand-to-hand -hand battle. But I want to warn you dear friends, brothers, and sisters that we need to take this threat very seriously and follow the word of God. May he bless his words.